0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're a manager or supervisor who needs training, then I would encourage you to check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking you through our driving results curriculum, which includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much, much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that you can use immediately after these sessions are over. For more information, check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. I don't know if you realize this, but there's actually an addiction to being right. Now, I know some of you have friends that probably would argue with a stop sign, but according to our guest, Jen Thornton, this is a real issue that a lot of folks are struggling with right now. As a manager, you probably have seen this and maybe down deep inside, you have a tendency to have this condition. Fortunately, it's something that can be addressed and that's what our guest is going to be talking about today. Jen is the founder and CEO of 304 Coaching, and she's an expert in this particular topic. It was pretty surprising to me. I learned an awful lot, and I'm really glad that she shared the information with us. I think you're going to really enjoy the interview, so why don't we go ahead and get to it. You know what to do. Let's make sure that you're buckled in, because it's time for us to hit the road. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Jennifer Thornton, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, it's been great uh, getting to meet you. And that's the beauty of Network Connections because I was uh, connected with you, I think, through a mutual friend, uh, Sharon Armstrong, I think is who might have introduced us. But uh, the topic today is on addictions. And so it's been very interesting to read as we've been in the middle of COVID that our addictions are on the rise. And so we're, we're reading that people are... Uh, They're drinking more alcohol, people are using more drugs. I read an article saying that Pornhub has gotten just huge amounts of people that are on it these days, and yet the addiction we're talking about today is the addiction of being right. Which I think is shocking. So Jennifer, we're going to talk about that today. And before we talk about what that looks like and how do we overcome it, please tell us about yourself. Share your background and what you your work specifically centers around now, and then we'll dive into this topic.
1: Great. So thank you again for having me. And you know, my background is in HR. I spent a lot of years in a corporate HR environment. You know, did. Took my rounds through all the different departments inside of the HR world. My um, industry, I spent most of the time when it was in retail, and the last several years of my career, I actually managed an international HR division. So, I had to fly around the world. It looked really beautiful on Instagram and Facebook, super cool. But um, it was it was a tough gig and a lot of a lot of nights in a hotel room. But an exciting um, piece of my life. You know, I just really value that time working internationally. And then several years ago, I kind of woke up um, in a hotel in a foreign country and thought, I think I could do something else. Um, I'm ready to go out on my own. And so today I own 304 Coaching. And what we do is we help fast-growing companies create talent strategies so that their business strategies has the talent. You know, We look at that talent and what talent is required to make sure that business strategy comes to life. And so that's what we do today here at 304.
0: So tell me what 304 stands for.
1: It's my lucky number. Okay. people ask all the time what it is and you know when I uh, decided to go out on my own before I even left my corporate job I got a call to come in and pitch to a company to the CEO and uh, someone called and said I need you to come in and pitch to our CEO tomorrow morning and I'm like I don't even have a name yet for my business and she's like you better figure it out tonight and so, (laughs) so that's what I did I went with my lucky number and it's it's been great luck since then
0: that's awesome. So when you work with a company and, and you're doing the talent strategy, how, what is, tell me exactly what that, I mean, I don't want you to give away your secret sauce here, but what does it look like? And, and I know that you mentioned that you do coaching as well. Does that factor into what you do?
1: Yeah, it all factors in, you know, when you look at a talent strategy, it's really start to finish. And what we want to do first is understand what the business needs are. And where is this business going in the next two, three, five, ten years? What is our business projection? Then we want to look at what would that mean for the talent to make sure that all of those goals came to life. And so we start with culture and really think about, you know, what kind of organization, how do we want to work inside this organization? You know, is it a you know, is it an institutional organization or is it highly innovative? You know, what 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 is that way of work? Um, then we work really hard with organizations to determine who they need to hire. We are um, uh, part of a licensed um, organization for OAD Organization Analyst and Design, and we use that that assessment that instrument. To help us determine right fits for right jobs, um, then we have leadership academies that we custom design for organizations, and then yes, we do executive, individual, and team coaching. Team executive coaching is a lot of fun; it's one of my favorite things to do.
0: So, what would you say to the company that says, "Well, we're gonna, we'd like to do that that talent assessment and all that, but we want to wait till after the pandemic's over and there's a vaccine and." Everything's settled in Washington. Uh, what's your response to that? Should we just wait till everything calms down, or or is this something we ought to be thinking about now?
1: We should be thinking about it now because what we need to be thinking about is what does the how can we project what we think our business will look like after the vaccine or after this pandemic, and. What does that mean for our organization? And then, how do we look at our talent today to ensure that they're ready for that? Because it is going to look different. So, how our teams work together, the projects they worked on, the expectations those are all going to look different in the future, and we have to make sure that they are ready for it. You know, in fact, I have a client that I started working with um, early, like probably mid to early February. And then of course the pandemic hit and their entire business was crippled, but they stuck with this project. I was really proud of them for sticking with this project. And so throughout this entire year, we've created um, a performance-based organization. And so now that they're ramping back up, they're coming out stronger than they ever went into it because their team is ready for what's ahead of them.
0: I love that. Well, before we went on, we talked about, you know, having, treating this like an off season where in a sports team, that's when you do your serious conditioning. And it seems like now's the time for an organization, you know, Hey, let's not wait around for everything to be perfect again. Right now is an opportunity to really think about what we're going to be doing in the future. And so yeah, I hope if you're listening to this today, you're not waiting around for things to get better because at least from what I can see, I don't see anything getting better anytime soon. Maybe I'm just negative, but I don't know, reality suggests, I think we should just keep moving forward. And so, um, but I want to also move a little bit into this idea of being right. And so before we go into these questions, Jen, tell us where you came up with this whole concept of the addiction to being right.
1: So it is part of one of the programs that we teach here at 304 Coaching, and it's part of our Conversation Intelligence program. And Conversation Intelligence is actually the brainchild of a woman named Judith Glasher. And she spent over 40 years studying the neuroscience of the mind, how it took in conversations in the workplace, and what was the um, the business results. You know, so when we take in information, if we move towards fear, if we move, move towards collaboration. You know what happens with our relationships and our business results, and you know I was very fortunate that I got to study underneath her for a year and a half, and she was just she was just a force, a, such an intelligent woman, and I'm you know so glad that I get to carry on her legacy and her um, her education to my clients, and part of understanding the mind is understanding our addictions and how our addictions are related to dopamine hits and how that happens in the workplace.
0: So you mentioned a dopamine hit. Would that mean that when I am right or proven to be right, suddenly I get that little burst of excitement or that rush? Is that how that works?
1: You're absolutely right. Just like if you have an addiction to sugar or alcohol, or you know, one of my favorite retail therapy. Um, when you are right, you get a dopamine hit, and you know we know if you're addicted to sugar, you need more and more sugar to get that same baseline of happiness and feel good. Same thing happens when you're right, and so over time, you need to be more right and stronger in your beliefs and really holding on to sometimes, you know, untrue information, because if you were to admit you were wrong, it would take away that drug and that hit of the dopamine.
0: Well, it's funny because when you just told me I was right, I actually felt like this little hit of dopamine. So I I think it actually works. See how that? I want to be right some more so I can feel that awesome rush.
1: I know. Being right feels great. I mean, we all love it. If your boss comes into the room and is like, man, you totally landed that project, man, you know, that your feedback was spot on. Let's face it. It feels good. We like it.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So with regular addictions, at least from what I understand about them, typically a person doesn't realize they're addicted to something. Someone would stage an intervention, is that the way it works too with this addiction? Does a person have to be told multiple times they're full of shit before they finally think maybe I'm not as great as I thought? How does that typically happen?
1: You know, I love that question. You know, what what typically happens when I find executives who have a, an addiction to being right, what happens is it eventually starts to harm their team and harm their business. And it's kind of a crisis moment, you know, that... The pain of not changing becomes bigger than the pain of actually coming to terms with their addiction to being right and changing. So that's usually when I get the phone call. Right. You know, come help us. So what I would say is, you know, if you know or if you are this person or you know that person who, you know, goes to work every day and, you know, ensures that they're the smartest person in the room or gets a thrill from, you know, putting people down or saying, you know, do you not know anything or, you know, I knew that and you didn't, you know, the The person who's addicted to right gets in their car at the end of the night and drives home and doesn't say, wow, you know, I learned so much today from my team. I'm so glad that I have such a smart team. They drive home and think, man, my team, they don't know what they're doing. If I'm not there telling them what to do, they do nothing. I'm the only one who knows everything. And if you're, you know, driving home and you think about your thoughts, that'll help you recognize if you have an addiction or not.
0: But I think you'd almost have to do some introspection and ask yourself, am I really as great as I think I am? Or or do you just sort of plow forward and just the percentage of you being right is greater than the percentage of you being wrong. And so you just continue down the path. I mean, do you find that most people on their own could just self-select and say, wow, I, I really have a, a right A rightness problem?
1: You know, I think it depends on where they are. You know, I've met people that I've had this conversation with, and you can see the light bulbs go off, and they're like, oh my gosh, I think I'm headed down that path. And they can self correct. And I have worked with executives who were so deeply uh, entrenched and their need to be the smartest person in the room, that they, they struggle, they didn't want to come to terms with it. And, you know, I've worked with one in particular that never did come to terms with it. And his business has um, suffered immensely from it. And I've had some that, you know, had to come to terms with it, because either a supervisor said, this is a, a deal breaker, or their board of directors said, you know, this is going to be a deal breaker, but you know, everyone's a little different and it probably depends on how far down that road you are in your addiction.
0: Okay. Yeah. I guess that would be, you know, the equivalent again of interventions where somebody realized, Hey, I care about this person enough to call them out and hopefully guide them on that path. Now I have to be perfectly honest with you, Jen, I've never even heard of this whole concept of being addicted, to being right. Is it really prevalent
1: Oh my gosh. I see versions of it all the time. And I think a lot of us have a little bit of it. I mean, again, we talked earlier, it feels good when we're right. And in the workplace, if we have a project we're working on and someone comes up to us and says, Hey, can I give you feedback? Or I don't, I don't like where this is going. We're protective. And that protective state of our work is, is part of that chemical reaction. And it's, it's fear. And so our brain's like, uh-oh, we're going to get judged. This is fearful. Let's, you know, let's kind of hold back here. Let's be careful. We're going to get judged. And so, so we're not judged. We start to force our opinions on others. And it just happens all of the time in the workplace.
0: We've been, you know, we do a lot of work with personality instruments. And, and one in particular, we like to use the, the Kiersey temperaments and one of the temperaments its temperament NT they're they're driven by competence in other words they really are driven by being the smartest one in the room now that's personality driven is is there a chemical kind of connection to this too because i know with some of uh, addictions and things there's probably a chemical piece to it versus a personality I mean, do you are you aware of any connection that way, whether this is just a personality gone wild or a person legitimately has a condition that's driving them to this?
1: You know, what the research shows is it really happens over time. So it's not necessarily a born trait. So it doesn't come from like a high sense of command or confidence. And I think we all know someone we worked with early in their career and they were open, they were curious. They, you know, were collaborative. They wanted to they wanted to ask questions and know what was going on. And, you know, they they were just this amazing person to work with. And they were so good that they got a lot of accolades and they got promoted really quickly. And then after, you know, several years of working with that person, you don't even recognize them anymore. And they they come into meetings and they're demanding people you know, um, they want answers and then you give them the answers and they're like, no, that's not the right answer. That's not, here's what the right answer is. And you're like, well, why'd you even ask, (laughs) you know, know, but you know, it's this progression. And, you know, I know of several people I've worked with in my career that I kind of watch that progression and didn't really understand where it came from until I started studying the neuroscience of the mind and the chemical reactions. And I'm like, oh, that's what's happened over time is over time, they have gotten really attached to being right and that feeling of being right. And they don't want anyone to take that away from them.
0: Do you see any correlation between, because I've been hearing a lot about this too, um, The I guess, I don't know if it's a condition, but it's uh, narcissism. I mean, this almost sounds a little bit like that's where, like, narcissism is a legitimate psychological, I don't know if they call it disease or condition. Does this, is this kind of like a gateway to that or would that condition feed into this? Because from what I understand about narcissism, it's very much like that.
1: So I think that they're, they're, they can, they can overlap, but they also can be different. And so narcissism is a, You know, clinical diagnosed, um, you know, mental health um, disease, and so that is something that we are born with. And you know, if you have that, and you also enjoy, you know, you've been very successful, and you you get to be right a lot, then could that condition and that addiction kind of come together and, you know, kind of compound? I, I would think they could. But, you know, when we look at, you know, having conversations in the workplace about our addiction to being right, it really is um, something that builds up over time. And it's something that will continue to grow, just like, you know, if, if you're, you know, your addiction is, you know, alcohol, you know, a couple of beers is fine. And three years later, you know, you may need a whole case of beer, um, but it, it is built up over time and narcissism would be something you were born with.
0: Okay, good. All right. Cause that would be kind of freaky if those two led, cause it makes me, like I don't even want to be right anymore. If that's <laughs> the case, that scares me.
1: You know what? It's every. Don't
0: tell me I'm right. Cause now I'm getting really nervous.
1: Yeah. Everything's good in small doses. <laughs>
0: okay, good. So this progression, right? So somebody is, is building this addiction to being right. And it's to the point now where the team is noticing, the board is noticing. And finally, somebody has that tough conversation and they make the call to you. Do you when you get folks, Do they, are they in denial? Do they, are, are they open to listening? How do those conversations usually go? Because now we got to talk about how to dig out of this hole, right?
1: I know. And digging out isn't easy. Um, but it's worth it. You know, the the stuff on the other side of the work is fantastic. So when I get the call and I go in to work with an executive that we think, you know, may have this addiction, um, oftentimes they are in denial. And denial sounds a lot like, well, of course, I had to tell everyone what to do because, you know, no one around here knows how to do it as well as I do. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me about your background. And maybe their background is in marketing. But they're in the finance department telling the chief um, finance officer how to run, you know, his or her business. And I'm like, so tell me about your finance background. Well, you know, really, it's marketing. Okay, well, then, you know, tell me where your expertise comes over here. And they start to kind of like, just kind of like, well, but, you know, I'm like, do you, are, are you an expert in all fields? And so you really have to kind of do a lot of digging into the, the reality and kind of turning the mirror back on that person. So when they're providing their reasons and their excuses, that we unpack those and we go back and we say, is this, is this the truth or is this a story you're telling yourself so that you can maintain your current view of yourself? And that's where it starts, you know, is really getting honest about the stories that we're telling ourselves.
0: Do you ever get people that say, you know what, I'm done and they just walk out and then that ends it?
1: Um, I haven't had anyone do that to me, but there are those situations. I mean, I've definitely seen it in a corporate environment, you know, seen it myself with other executives, basically, you know, that person with that addiction, you know, when when everyone's done with that, and no one's willing to, you know, have that in the business anymore, and they are the pressure's put on them, oftentimes they will leave because you know, staying means changing, and they may not want to change. So um, I, I've worked. I, I didn't think of the exact same. Per- like you know, when you talk about something, and a person flashes in your head. Mm-hmm. I that person in my head right now. <laughs> I know exactly what happened.
0: <laughs> wow. That's really interesting. I just, the more I think about this, the more I wonder, you know, and I don't know if you know this, I mean, would you think there's like a percentage of people that might have this addiction just based on what you've been studying?
1: Oh my gosh, that's a good question. You know, I don't know if I have any um, statistics that I could share factually. What I would say is that when I work with executives, I would say there's probably 10% of people I've worked with that are in serious trouble. That it is causing their business to circle the drain and it is serious. And there's probably, you know, 20, 30% that have a tendency towards it than when called out and we work on it are able to change. But that really serious addiction, um, you know, like I said, I've had a client that was unwilling to change. And unfortunately, um, he had a huge business, um, massive multi million dollar Very very large business and it didn't make it. And you know he had over four thousand people working for them that no longer have their jobs because he wasn't willing to hear the truth. And when people told him the truth, it was I mean he was a monster and he came down on them. And you know nothing was ever his fault. It was always the team's fault. And I even tried to get him to understand. Well, you hired this team. Could that be? Could that have been a poor decision? Do you not have the right team with you? No, no, it's, they can do the job. They just don't want to.
0: Okay, yeah. well, that's, yeah, that's kind of like the, yeah, I guess it's the willingness, right? Anybody can change as long as they are committed to it internally, huh?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: So let's go back to the the one-on-one session you're doing with somebody who's been referred to you and you've, you've asked the questions, okay, where did you get your finance background? And at the end of this, they kind of realize, Okay. Yeah. I guess I am addicted. So at that point, what is the process to kind of dig them out of this hole? How does that work?
1: You know what? The first exercises we do is we get really excited about being wrong. We kind of reprogram ourselves. Because what we do is we reward for being wrong, because what we're doing is we're rewarding people from learning and getting curious. And so, again, we need to still be happy at work. We don't want to come to work and be depressed. And, you know, I just I can't open my mouth. I can't say anything. So we don't want to take everything away from them. So what we do is we say, all right, you know, if they're willing to work on this, you know, where, you know, where does this typically show up? You know, does it typically show up around your pet projects? Does it show up on your views, on your peers, you know, wherever it shows up? And then we put very specific actions into place where they go and get curious. And, you know, we even, you know, kind of practice those conversations around asking questions, um, learning um, how to be open to other people's opinions, um, you know, even, you know, when they come to me and they're like, you know, on a session, well, this person, this and that person's that You know, we I said and we talk about, well, what, that's their reality and learning how to accept someone else's reality. But the funnest part of it is watching people get excited about learning because that's what we need to do, because that replaces kind of that dopamine hit. Right. Um, and we, we practice we practice being wrong and rewarding for it.
0: Wow, I'm just trying to imagine what life would be like if every time I was wrong, I got a hit of dopamine. God, I would be like a drug addict. I'd be on the streets begging for needles, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah, but it's a lot of fun to to go in, maybe even to your team, and say, you know, you guys are the closest to the customer, and I have some assumptions on why product, you know, X isn't doing great right now. But I want to hear from you what's going wrong. I want you guys to tell me, you know, come up with at least 20 things that I should hear about this product and, you know, opening that space up. And the first time this, you know, this executive who's addicted to being right, who's been kind of a monster, the first time they ask people for their opinion, believe me, it's crickets because no one wants, everyone's touched that burner and it's hot. You don't want to touch it again. Um, But we work on that language and we build, we work on laddering and getting people to build trust, you know, one conversation at a time. But when they, are able to get that information. And if they have all this information they were no, not willing to listen to you know, the day before, but today for whatever reason is willing to listen to it, and then they can take that information and do something with it to drive the business, it starts to prov- provide a reward that feels good.
0: So this is really for the individual uh, who is gonna work their way back to this new reality of they're not gonna be right all the time, they'll be okay being wrong. And, and so is there an average timeline it takes a person to finally have that aha moment about themselves where they say I am right because I'm wrong a lot
1: yeah you know I think for everyone their journey is unique um, typically I work with clients anywhere you know at least six months you know I I I won't enter into any contract if someone's not willing to at least give me six months and I meet with, meet with people weekly so wow. it's um, we meet every single week. We talk about the conversations and meetings we're going into. What do we need to get out of those meetings? Um, who do you need to be in those meetings? Um, so, but on average, I work with people for about eighteen months to two years. And um, but it's just amazing the way people you know their careers just explode and they're just they do such great things and they they're happier right and and they're excited and they're growing and they they can see their team growing and their business results improve and so it just becomes a lot of fun
0: i'm thinking a lot about as we're talking about this bad bosses that i've had in the past most of them were in the navy when i was active duty but I'll be perfectly honest here. If one of them said, well, I'm, I'm getting coaching by this lady from Texas, Jen Thornton, and, uh, I'm going to be a new person and I'm really working. I would have said bullshit. There's no way. Does, I mean, is that a problem where an individual is working on themselves and that the team refuses to believe that they can change?
1: Yeah, it is a huge part of the process is because we can't change and expect everyone else to wake up and go, Oh, it's a new day, you know, and you can't walk in and demand honesty from your team after you've, after they've been in trouble for it for the last 10 years. Right. (laughs) And so that's part of the process is we help, you know, individuals learn that this will take time and we celebrate movement because every step forward creates a new culture and a new environment and it's like climbing a ladder you know the you climb a couple of runs and you're like oh this is this is making me nervous it's kind of high up here and then you settle into it and it feels normal and then you go a couple more and so i spent a ton of time educating clients on the laddering and just you know getting excited and and it's important for the person who's who's changing to validate and recognize publicly when people give you feedback and celebrate it because then it's giving permission to those who may not be ready to do it yet.
0: Well, I mean, if, if you can go through this and come out successful on the other end, that's a huge step. And I think if you had willing followers that saw you in this journey, I think they would really be supportive. Uh, I just, this is just fascinating to think about that. This is actually an addiction and, and yet it's something that a person can actually work hard and dig out of.
1: Yeah, you can. And it's about, you know, and with conversation intelligence, you know, that addiction to being right is a piece of it and it's a big piece of it. But you know, there's other things to it that we also teach around just changing our language to move people from fear to innovation and really small adjustments. You know, someone can say something like, you know, you know, I think that's a you know great idea and all, but, you know, we've tried that in the past and it doesn't work. And so that new person who had this great idea goes back to their desk going, "Whoa, I guess they don't want to hear my ideas. And I guess I just do what I'm supposed to do. And you really start to shut them down. And so if someone comes to you and you've tried it in the past and it didn't work, you can still be honest. But what if you said to that person, hey, you know, I'm so excited you, you, you saw this opportunity. I saw it in the past, too. You know, what? at that time, it didn't work, um, you know, but it's a different time. So let's look at it this time and to see if there's pieces of it that maybe we can get across the finish line this time. That's a whole different way that person's gonna feel when they walk back to their desk. They're gonna be excited and, and motivated to be innovative. Um, but just shutting people down never works.
0: Yeah, I wonder how many people have been affected by a boss who's been addicted to being right. And that's, I mean, would this be something if you saw this, you would pick it up? Is it one of those behaviors that you could learn out of just seeing it enough times?
1: Um, seeing um, the addiction to being right a few times.
0: Right. I mean, it's like, cause you know, a lot of people I know that have never been formally trained as a manager, they just simply do what managers they've had. I mean, could this problem, so there's an addiction piece, but could it almost be contagious?
1: You know what? I just adore that you asked that question because absolutely. And what happens is we see organizations that have generational habits, you know, the, the, You know, one person who was led by someone who was, you know, storm and form and command and, you know, really tough. And they um, see that person as, you know, oh, well, they got promoted. So I should do that too. Then they do it to that next generation of leader. Then that next one gets promoted. And then you have generations and levels of your company treating each other this way. And that's how we start to act. And I do see that all the time. In fact, a company I'm working with right now, the the CEO, he's 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 tough, and one of the things we're working on is partnerships between um, the corporate office and operations because they are not kind to each other. I mean, really ugly emails, um, no no desire to help each other out, and you know, a lot of it's led by the fact that that's that's what's rewarded in the company, but it no longer is working, and so they're going to have to kind of reward. other things but you're absolutely right it will start to kind of create generational issues
0: well you've painted a really clear picture of what causes this what it looks like how do you start on the journey why we need to take the steps to take care of it the last thing we got to figure out is how in the world do people reach out to you jen so that you can help them with this problem i think many people listening to this today are going to realize wow i don't i didn't think i had that problem but i do or we've got a few managers that I believe have this problem. So how can a person reach out to you, Jen, so that you can help them dig out of this hole?
1: So you can reach out on our website at 304coaching.com or connect with me on LinkedIn at Jen Thornton ACC and we can continue the conversation.
0: That's awesome. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, A a good podcast, in my opinion, is one where I've learned something. I've learned a lot today. This is something I guess I never even realized was a thing. And now that I do, I want everybody to hear this message as well. So if you're listening to this today, please reach out to Jen. I think she painted a pretty, pretty bleak picture of what happens when you don't tackle this thing. So check her out and uh, let's hope that you can help your folks get through this. Jen, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.
0: Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role in struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever.